Welcome to the Felt Recoil Podcast. This is number 134, I heard. That was the rumor on the street. Is it true? It is. My name's Chris, and across from me is P. Maculon. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. Are you sure? Yes. Good. I had to check. I had to double check there. But yes, I'm good. How glad, about you? Glad to have you here. I'm, I'm doing fine. Yeah. Shotguns all day. Filmed people shooting guns all day. I don't think I fired a single shot today. Hmm. Sad life, uh, but a good time, nonetheless. It, it is... Could be worse. It is South Carolina through and through. We had four inches of snow on the ground Saturday and Sunday. Yep. Perfect snowed-in weekend, if you will. And then today, T-shirt, casual pants, and a sunburn from being outside all day. Sounds about right. That's about it. Uh, So we had a good time. Yes, sir. It's a wild world. It is a crazy world right now. Let's just remind everybody. We know you've been locked down by the government for, man, it feels like two years now. Two weeks to flatten the curve. So the longest. It's like God's two weeks, you know? (laughs) Every day is as a thousand years. A thousand years as a day. And uh, it is just incredible story of the snow shoveling shooting that happened coincidentally there's a greg if if you've not seen that video don't go look it up don't worry about it just know that uh, there was a spat between some neighbors and a guy and his wife just figured they would yell at this dude who obviously was having a bad day and he ran in his house and he got a gun and came out and shot him and then went back in and got a different gun and came out and shot him again it's crazy it's crazy that's where we are I do think the lockdown is to blame for some of that. I think everybody's on edge. People feel like they can't kick back against the system. Ergo, they feel trapped, and they just don't know what else to do. And so I kind of, I mean, obviously the blame is on the guy that committed the act, but I also say there's a bit of blame to society in general, the way we're all treating each other over this disease that likely won't hurt you if you get it. Ordinarily, I would I would throw that argument out because you know people like to blame video games and film and TV sure. for everything everything violence du jour right? all that ails them yeah but I think you're right because in this situation I think people have been pushed to their breaking point mm. and I, it wouldn't surprise me if we didn't see more things like this and i know what's going to happen and you know what's going to happen the guns will get blamed always but i really think you're you're spot on with your uh assertion there that this is absolutely the fault of society our willingness to accept uh two weeks to flatten the curve that has now turned into legitimately a year right um so yeah i'm worried that you're going to see a lot more of it Normally, we blame the guns. I started listening to a podcast you told me about. We're going to talk about that more in a second, where now they're blaming books. Books are the reason people die. Patrick, I don't know if you know that. It's books. First, let's talk about this week's charity of choice. It is LexingtonRescueRun.com. If you are in South Carolina, 
And you want to get off the couch, get out and about, and hang with some people while doing good, LexingtonRescueRun.com. LexingtonRescueRun.com will benefit Operation Underground Railroad. They're going to raise some money uh, and use that money to go save kids around the world from being trafficked for sex and for organs and for all the terrible things people are doing around the world. You can, honest to God, go help put an end to that. And even if you don't want to run it, just register and then go down and hang out for the day and uh, get to meet some cool people. All right, LexingtonRescueRun.com. Last week, you told me at some point, whatever day it was, because uh, I was spending a lot of time on the road, and you said, you got to listen to Hitman. It's pretty fascinating, the story of what happened in Hitman. And it's not a bad podcast at all. If you're looking for something to bide your time, Hitman's pretty good. It's not the best podcast I've ever heard. See, what's happening here is this is a, um, uh, what are they called now? It's not Clear Channel anymore. iHeartRadio. This is an iHeartRadio podcast. And so they're bringing the um, mentality of radio people into the podcasting world. Uh, which I find somewhat sacrilegious, <laughs> right? Go back to the say, radio. Like it's like a last-ditch effort to keep radio alive. You're not allowed to be here, right? Yeah. Um, radio people, in my opinion, not all of them, but a, a bit of them, take themselves way too seriously. Like TV people I've talked about before. From a guy, by the way, not just trying to condescend to people. There's really good people everywhere, and then there's some bad people everywhere. But there's this common thread among TV and radio people that they're much more important than they really are. Um, and, and you know, like, like I've told you, the, the TV people simply read a teleprompter. It's largely written by other people, unless it's a small station. Um, they get big enough. Other people are writing the scripts. Think of the famous Bill O'Reilly meltdown. We'll do it live. We'll oh, do yeah. it live. That's because somebody else was writing his script, and he didn't like the way it was written, so mm-hmm. he just said, we'll do it live. So I tell you that to say. Um, the podcast has that kind of feel to it. But but more so, there were a few things that I found kind of interesting. If you don't know about the Hitman podcast, here's how it describes itself on its Apple Podcasts preview. In 1983, Paladin Press, a fringe publisher, released a book called Hitman a technical manual for independent contractors. The author, who went by the pen name Rex Farrell, offered very specific tips for the aspiring contract killer, where to find employment, how much to charge, how to get away with murder. Ten years later, Tiffany Horn's mother, eight-year-old brother, and a close family friend were found murdered. The exhaustive investigation involved multi-state surveillance and wiretaps, but it wasn't until, and, and I, don't, I don't agree with this part, by the way, but they say it wasn't until detectives stumbled upon Hitman that they suddenly had what they called a blueprint for the murders. Okay, now wait a second. I agree with that part because that probably is what happened. They found the book, then they heard of the book, and they said, oh, this is the blueprint for what they did. But that didn't crack the case open. They didn't find Hitman and go, aha, now we know this guy did it because he bought this book. They had um, a taped conversation bet- between the two of them that. Um, we're not giving, I don't want to give too much away in case you want to listen to it. But they kind of tell you in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like it's no secret what happened here. The man hires a contract killer. The contract killer kills. Because that's not what the podcast is about. And I guess that's the point. Contract killer goes and kills this man's wife and disabled eight-year-old son. Vicious. Horrible. And the nurse that was and caring the for the son. Yep. 
vicious and terrible, right? And so that's hard to wrap your head around how somebody could be so evil. Uh, but then they would find that the contract killer had apparently ordered this book at some point and really legitimately took pages out of the book and used something like two dozen of the tips and tricks inside this book to carry out the heinous crime. So the podcast from iHeartRadio here is actually about the fact that the, that the publisher should be held accountable and the publisher should pay for what happened to this family, with which I tend to kind of disagree because... Well, so the podcast kind of starts out a little bit um, sort of a, a crime story and then melds into a, a strange attack on the First Amendment. Yeah. And I think I, that was a little bit of an unexpected turn listening to it because I feel like they give you the story of what happened up front with the the murder itself or murders, mm-hmm. and then there's still several episodes left. I mean, it's a fascinating story who the guy was. Yeah, he had, worked on big time Motown. Yeah, st- songs that everybody knows, like The Temptations and stuff like that. He could have he had it all at one point, and then he lost it all. And so there is a story in and of itself about the real question is not what book did they read. The question is what drives someone to that point? How can you break that much mentally that you're willing to do those things? Um, But it's so typically left and it's so typically leftist hypocritical. It occurred to me today as I was listening to an episode, I said, but wait a second, wait a second. What is the difference between writing a book about how to murder people which, by the way, could very well just be fantasy fiction. They don't know who the author is. They don't know that he ever killed anybody. Okay, He has really weird tips and tricks in there. One of them, by the way. Or that it's even a he. Well, yeah, that's true. One of the tips is if you use a silencer, your gun will never draw attention. Well, that's categorically false. There's, there's zero truth to that idea. You can put a suppressor or a silencer, whatever. You can call it a silencer, by the way. That's fine. The guy that invented it called it a silencer. You can put a silencer on your gun. It still cracks. It's still somewhat loud. It's just hearing safe is the point. If you forget your hearing protection, you're not going to cost yourself your hearing when you go out in the woods to do your hunting or sports shooting or whatever you can do. So that's a little, it's, I'm skeptical on the fact that anybody read this and said, you know what, now I can murder. Well, I think you take into account Paladin Press, who published the book. Mm-hmm. They go through a list of some of the other titles on the show and so i guess you kind of or at least i would hear those and take them and this book along with it with Mm -hmm. a grain of salt exactly right any book you ever read kiss the girls holy moly it's it's terrifying terrifying Stephen King, Dean Koontz, these guys have warped brains, man. And then they write it down on paper for other people to read, and and that's quote-unquote entertainment. And we make movies about it. Saw is a thing. The Purge is a thing. But nobody's looking at those producers and going, you're really really writing a playbook here. The difference, in my opinion, is this guy, uh, the pen name Rex Farrell, kind of his fantasy fiction was, I'll write it as if I've done it, as if I know how to do it, Okay. There's no difference. It doesn't mean that somebody goes out and acts on it because they read about it. Well, I think that's key, though. It's written as if 
Rex Farrell is a professional hitman, right? And is giving you all the tips and tricks that a that would would be trade secrets to someone who has has performed this as a profession for years and years. And then, just like your point about the silencer, comes in to play where if you're a real hitman, you probably understand the limitations that a silencer would have. Mm-hmm. And so, would that be a a, a, a focal point that you would use? In, in the book. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, and, and it's all ma- mainly, like, obvious things anybody who really sat down and thought about it would think anyway. Like, shoot shoot them from far away so you don't get blood on you. Wear, Wear gloves. <laughs> Thank you, Sherlock. You know? Yeah, exactly. Wear gloves. Leave no trace. Fine, fine. Here's my point. It's incredibly hypocritical to make a podcast about a book that you think is evil and then share the details of said book on your podcast in order to get attention. Explicit details. Ex- yes. To a T, exactly what's in the book is in the podcast on how to k- get away with killing someone. So what? there's no difference. So there's that, zero difference. So we'll be guilty here because I'm going to bring up one of those points. I'm not guilty. I have no problem with the book. <laughs> like, I'm not. I'm tongue in cheek. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so one of the points, and this is, I guess, where I realized what you're talking about in listening to the podcast is they start talking about um, how to take a rat tail file and basically score the inside of the barrel so that right. the uh, ballistics are unrecognizable in a lab. And I thought most people. If you're like, let's say you're a common criminal, and you have a and job. I am, <laughs> I know we've met. Um, you're very intimidating, sir. Thank you. Um, keep drinking your light beer. Um, <laughs> I think if you're a common criminal, maybe one of the things you would consider doing with the gun is filing off the serial number. What? That seems like a fairly reasonable thing to do if you're a criminal and you're trying to get rid of some evidence. I don't know yes. that most criminals would think, you know what I got to do? I got to make sure they can't match ballistics. So right. I got to do something about the, That's the true. barrel here. That's true. You, you, yep. I felt like that was just such an overt thing. That's exactly what they were rallying against. Mm-hmm. That it was kind of like, okay, wh- where where does that line exist for you really? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. There is, t- to me, it, it's... It's it's almost like virtue signaling. This is them just saying yeah. how evil it is while capitalizing on the evil itself. We're going to stand up here with our trumpet on top of the mountain and make sure everybody knows we think this is so evil. But by the way, please listen to this new Geico commercial so that we can get paid. <laughs> Which screams at you, by the way. When, when you feel like it's going to commercial on this podcast, you need to turn it down like you know six or seven notches. Um so it was just incredibly interesting. Now, here's another thing that I thought, oh, the left, they're so dumb they don't even see it sometimes, right? So they start talking about, oh, man, now I'm not going to be able to remember. There is a legal principle. Do you remember this? Where if you kill someone, whether you mean to or not, you cannot profit off that person's death. Do you remember that? I, I do remember him talking about it. I don't remember what it's called. The Slayer Rule. There you go. Thank you. I don't know why I couldn't remember that one. So the Slayer Rule says, basically, that crime can't pay you legitimately. And the girl hosting the podcast, who, as we've mentioned, 
takes on the First Amendment pretty hard with the remainder of the podcast, says to you, it just makes moral sense that you shouldn't be able to profit off committing a crime. And I thought, go to the southern border and tell those people to, please. Welcome, by the way, welcome to the anti-illegal immigrant camp. Because that's what we've been saying the whole time. There's no difference between robbing a bank and giving the children your money and saying, but I did it for a better life. There's no difference in murdering. Listen, people are killed. They die every day because of the coyotes and the drug cartels that run the coyotes that sneak those people over our southern borders. Okay, right? It's organized crime. It's coordinated murder. There are hits put on people so that the illegal trafficking of humans can continue at our southern border. And the people who cross it illegally fund that. They pay the coyotes. And then they come here and they profit off of a system that rewards them for the crime they committed at the southern border. So welcome. Welcome to our team, Hitman Podcast. We're glad to have you here. I couldn't believe it. I I thought, do they know what they're saying? Do they understand how absurd they look? No, it they could, don't. It could only be okay if I met that girl and she's like, oh, no, I, I, I think we need to build a big wall 90 miles high and, and shut it off, too. And I go, okay, never mind. I was wrong. But it doesn't play that way. Yeah, if, but if you're, you're, you know that that hypocrisy exists. If you're in the camp of... Books shouldn't be printed because people will read them and do violent things. And by the way, nary a mention of the Quran or Stephen King or Dean Koontz books or all the, by the. And I'm not exaggerating with the Quran. That's not a joke. The Quran has a prescribed way for attacking and killing people that won't convert to the religion. Like they don't decapitate people because well that was just the way you did it in 600 A.D. They decapitate them because the Quran says that you strike at the necks of the unbelievers. That is what it says. It's an explicit instruction on how to kill people who won't convert to your faith. You chop their heads off. So that's not that's not even hyperbole. That is explicit in their holy text that that's how you kill people who don't believe. I'm sure she's working on a a new series right now as we speak. Mm, Hitman Muhammad. Yes. That I would listen to. That would be a good one. I'll take part in that one. Give me a call. Uh, and then, you know, it's funny. You, you know it's you know you're reaching. So they go after the publication. And this is where I'm at in the podcast. I don't know if I'll listen anymore because it just kind of turned into this whole, we're going to take on Soldier of Fortune magazine and the uh, Paladin Press uh, publishers, you know, at, at writ large. Uh, but they, they had to go to Playboy. To find find a publication willing to take on Paladin Press, they went to Playboy. Okay? So that was kind of like the, nah, I probably don't care for the rest of what you have to say. Like, who cares what Playboy thinks? They've been exploiting women for years, making them think that what you're actually doing is becoming empowered when nothing could be further from the truth. All of that to make big, big, big money. So an old perverted man can have three girlfriends that all actually hate each other, but they're willing to put on a ruse because, you know, money. Like, seriously, that one chick who has done nothing but marry black athletes. Yeah. She was ever really in love with Hugh Hefner? I'm going to go with probably not. I'm going to say nah, dog. Probably not. Probably not. Like, I'm not saying she can't go marry black athletes. I'm saying good on her for finding true love. 
don't lie to us the whole time and think we're the fool. That's all I'm saying. Rest in peace to Hugh Hefner and all that. Anyway, I thought that was hilarious. Like, oh, this is where we're going? Okay. <laughs> anyway. I will say, a few plot twists in the, in the podcast there. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was, go ahead. Go ahead and well, I mean, unpack I mean, that a little bit. Well, that's one of them. Yeah. Is that's, his, uh, that's your... Uh, when I guess to further your point, when Playboy is where you're going to really crack the case... I feel like you're probably in a low point. Let me ask you a question real fast. You're at a low point. Hold that thought. Can you name one argument you've ever won with anyone ever where you went? Well, I'll tell you who said it. Playboy said it. (laughs) (laughs) And then that person was like, you know what? You have the high ground, my friend. There's nothing I can say. (laughs) Well, then your friend goes, huh, finally found somebody that reads the articles. (laughs) Yeah. There's words? <laughs> I didn't know that. Interesting. I just don't, I I don't imagine, I, you know, maybe I don't know, but I don't, I don't think of Playboy as like this bastion of journalism. Oh, it's not. Really? No, I don't think well, so. that's weird. I wonder why they called them then. It's a savvy maneuver huh. they've made where it's like hip to be interviewed, or at least it was sure. back in the day, right? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, it was interviewed by anyone and all that, but. I mean, who are we really kidding here? Yeah, but that's if you're like some actor, right? Right. What we're talking about here is an attack on the First Amendment. They're trying to find out who the author is so that they can essentially hunt them down to sue them for the deaths of these people. Right. So. Not right. I mean, again, I'm not sure how Playboy was really going to help. So. It occurs to me, by the way, I think I know why. Well, tell me. It's competition. So, Soldier of Fortune magazine is kind of part of what the podcast is going after. Yeah. Paladin Press and Soldier of Fortune were kind of bedfellows. Mm-hmm. So, it seems to me that Playboy was probably seeing competition and thought, you know what we got to do? Because that was a widely distributed publication in prisons. Right? Sure. So if you can take them out and there's no other alternative, what are the inmates going to do? And they're going to look for entertainment elsewhere. These guys were buying these magazines up. Now, if you don't know, Soldier of Fortune was kind of like a, um, you know, if you wanted to be a commando or spec ops guy and you wanted to read these extraordinary tales of heroism, but then look. Now, this I did agree with, by the way. Then they would have ads running in the back of Soldier of Fortune and Soldier of Fortune, I don't know how they ever got away with this. Uh, this should be stopped. They would allow advertisements for contract killing. And they were allowing these ads to go in place, and then people were responding to them. And people were dying because of it. Now, that's crazy. I'm sure none of those were phone numbers directly to the FBI either. <laughs> right. See, that would have been smart. Um, so, yeah, they, was like, they had to fight to get that to stop. And I don't know all the details on those cases because one of them got overturned. But you do have to start to think to yourself, there is a line, right? Like, you can't have a call to violence explicitly. I would agree. But you can't go banning books because they depict violence and you disagree with that. 
I think that's a very dangerous line well, to walk. I think they're part of their argument, and it's been a while since I listened to the podcast, so maybe you can correct me. But part of the argument was because it was supposed it was presented as a manual for yeah, contract, for contract killing. killing, sure. Versus say something like I don't know stories uh, of a contract killer, maybe right. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think it maybe would have negated their argument had it been titled differently. But I don't know that that would have stopped anyone from going after him. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, probably not. Although, again, I mean, you you probably if you position it a little differently and you position it as, uh, as almost a work of fiction and then you let people draw from it what they draw from it, then maybe. I read a book one time called Ghost. I don't know where it is now. But it was about a CIA operative. Who's a ghost, not allowed to exist. So he wrote a memoir. And in the beginning of that book, he says, I carry a small black notebook with me every day. And in that notebook are the pictures and names of 10 people who I will kill on sight. And I was like, whoa. And then he goes into just kind of what his career was like and the things he experienced and why he has to live his life that way. Like, if I see that person, I will kill them because I know the things they've done. I know the things they're planning to do. They're maybe part of an organization that's targeting me. It's extraordinary stuff. So, yeah, maybe you could present it like that and they don't get as mad. Maybe maybe it is because it was an instruction manual. But I, I still don't think that makes it wrong. I can't imagine where you draw that line. Meaning, if I write a book called How to Start a Religion and then I essentially do a Google study of all the cults that have ever existed. Jim Jones, the crazy Indian people that took over that town in Montana or wherever it was. You remember that one? Yeah. I watched the Netflix on that guy. Yeah, that was crazy. How do you do that? Those women loved him. Anyway. <laughs> i thinking about picking up some land in Idaho. I've only got one woman in my life I'm trying to convince to love me. She's four. And I can't figure that out. Let alone, like... A whole swath of them seems like worshiping at the man's feet. He wasn't even half as good looking as I am. Anyway, one one day my daughter will come around and we'll be friends. Uh, But in the meantime, here's my point. If I write a book called How to Start a Religion and I borrow all this guidance from these people, does that make me responsible for the next Jim Jones? You know, somebody goes out there and they actually start one and then drink this Kool-Aid and 180 people die on the ground. And then they turn to me and they go, what did you do? I just wrote a book for fun. Made sense to me. Because the contract killing stuff in that book, Hitman, like we were talking about, some of it's kind of absurd. Shoot them in the eye. Yeah. That's how you know they're dead. Uh, use a twenty two. Use an AR-7. And by the way, I've never read the book. This is all stuff I got from their oh, yeah. Moral High Ground podcast. You'll get, you'll get all the details. It told me exactly how to do it if I want to do it. Disassemble the gun and scatter the pieces in as far of a radius as you can. Well, I, I find it funny. So the host talks about the fact that you can't find the book now. It's not in print. So you'd have to run across a, I'm gonna a find previous it. edition. And so it kind of piqued my curiosity. Of, okay, well, what's in it? that can really matter that much. And then, like you said, she basically goes down the list and, and just on and on about all the different things that are in the book verbatim. 
Right. Because she tracks a copy of it down. Right. Oh, I don't I don't know. I haven't gotten. I think I, if I remember correctly, I think she tracked a copy of it down somehow and was and so, so I'm not all the way through it, by the way. And it's been a while since I listened to it. <clears throat> Maybe a year. It's been a while. So forgive me. Yeah, you get um, one, two, three, four, five. There's five episodes I haven't heard out of what I would say is probably 11 or 12. Yeah. Could be conflating that with something I read after the fact. Because a lot of times what I'll do is I'll listen to a podcast like this, and then I will purposely avoid reading anything about it Mm -hmm. until I've listened to it all the way through. And I think I'm a little different than you in that if I start something like that, I pretty much have to finish it. Yeah. Like my curiosity won't let it go. Yep. So I'm I have to listen to it all the way through, and then I almost kind of do this like debrief type thing where I, I I'll go read the Wikipedia page Soak on it. it. I kind of went on, I went in and looked at what's his name Lawrence Horn. Mm-hmm. That's the guy, right? Mm-hmm. I went and looked at his um, biography, uh, all the stories about him working at Motown and then leaving Motown and then coming back to Motown, and and sort of. How he got to where he was um, in, in, in the story and some of the details that you don't get from the show. Yeah. So I kind of I, I have a tendency to do that with most of the shows. So, for instance, um, uh, the apology line. Oh man, haven't read anything else about that one. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to see that one through and then I'll dig into that one. There's only six episodes, I would think, right? Yeah, so how many are they going to do? They said there's six tapes. Yeah, I think there's so two left. Uh, left? It should be. Yeah, that one's really good. I wish we were that good. That one's really good. Uh, Chris. Hey. Up until just now, I thought we were. I don't know why you had to break it to me like that. S- say your phone number real fast in case anybody wants to apologize <laughs> for things they did. That is a weird podcast. I don't know what happens to the guy. I, I'm, I'm interested to hear how that plays out. Anyway, not to divert too much. Uh, he, did you ever see Grizzly Man? Is that what it's called? Timothy Treadwell's The Warner Herzog no. documentary about Timothy Treadwell. I think it's called Grizzly Man. And it's about a guy who decides he can live with grizzlies. So he goes out to Alaska. I know, he, I'm he familiar does with the story. Okay. Yes. So you know how it ends. Uh, yes. Oh, I've also seen man. the Titanic. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. There's a point in the documentary. I didn't need to see the Titanic. You knew. I already knew how that one ended as well. But to Treadwell's credit... Got away with it for like 12 years. Yeah. He died when he got complacent. And he knew he was complacent because he took a girl out there with him. And that's what got him and her killed. Okay. So my point is, there's a there's a uh, segment in the documentary where Herzog seeks out a woman who has the tape of Treadwell's death. And you get to watch him sit down. And she says... She, ba- I think she tells him she's listened to it like once. But she kept everything. And she asks if he wants to hear it. And he says yes. And he puts the headphones on. And the only part I really remember, I don't remember if he told her to destroy it or whatever, but he did say this. He listens to the audio. He takes his headphones off. And he looks at that woman. And the camera's across the room. You can kind of see his back. He's kind of like at an angle with her to his left. So she's kind of like next to his left arm. And he pivots over and he takes the headphones off and he says, you must never, ever play this for anyone ever again. Ever. 
and she starts crying, and he's like really shook by it. I believe he tells her to destroy it, but I don't, I don't want to say that for sure. So my point is, Herzog had no interest in making any money or using that violent, vile part for the story he was telling. So to me, if you're this girl and your heart really does ache so bad for these people because of what Hitman is, when you hear about Hitman, then what you should actually do is go, we must make sure that no one else ever, ever, ever reads this book. And so what's the right way to do that? Well, it's not to make a podcast about it and draw all this attention to it. Well, you got 2.5,000 ratings in the podcast. I don't I don't app right I would now. disagree a little bit. I don't think there's anything wrong with making a podcast about it. Oh, I don't either. Again, where I find issue is if she's holier than thou, why are you divulging all the details of the book? I don't need to go buy the book now because apparently after listening to her podcast, I know how to be a hitman. It's all in there. Yeah, I mean, pretty much I would think 50% at, at least is, is what she gives you. My point here is exactly what you're saying. I, I'm not saying there's a problem with the podcast. What I'm saying is if your podcast is going to be about a problem with the book and how evil the book is, but you're going to give all the details, well, what you really should have done is just shut up about the book. Right? Like you should, yeah. you just, the podcast shouldn't exist. If the book is that bad, there should be no podcast about the book. But what she's really trying to do is, well, we should take on the publisher, but you can't draw people into taking on a publisher just by saying they made a bad book no, and no. it said to do this. You got to give the gruesome, gory details. Well, now you're on the same plane. Which, again, that's kind of how it got its hooks in me. Right. I mean, so I, you know, I read the. Uh, Something online about uh, the story about this guy that was, you know, uh, affiliated with Motown, you know, wanting to kill his family and hiring somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where it started. And so when I, again, when I started listening to the show, I thought, okay, this is going to be a show all about, you know, this guy's life and how it led up to this and how they discovered he was behind it. Typical, you know, Real life crime story podcast, mm-hmm. which are somewhat predictable, for being honest here. Yeah. And again, that's when I said earlier, kind of takes a left turn. That's the first one, or was for me, was that it's really not a true crime story. It is, but it isn't because then it it, it completely derails from that and goes into this whole other category. And, and this, um, it's a bait and switch. It is. It is. Um, it's much more about um, the legalities of the First Amendment, I feel like, than anything yeah. else. Yeah. I think what they, what they were trying to do is exactly that, right? They hook you in, they want to pull you on their heartstrings because the death of that little boy is so tragic. Yep. It's so terrible. But then they twist it real quick to go, now see. Shouldn't we approve the books people are allowed to buy? No. Sorry. No, you shouldn't. Like, there's just no case for, in my opinion, there's no case for suddenly saying this is allowable speech and this is not. You know? Like, people have a right to be racist. It's it's not good, but they have a right to do it. People have a right to write well, down. Thanks for getting our show canceled, Chris. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry. Well, if you know, you're not allowed to say stuff like that. I'd like to welcome the FBI to our podcast. <laughs> uh, 
you're allowed to be racist. You're allowed to have a perverse uh, imagination like Stephen King and Dean Kootens have. You're allowed to do those things, and you're actually allowed to make money. What you're not allowed to do is fight. Well, you're, I guess you are allowed to do that, but what you shouldn't do is fight to make things illegal simply because you disagree with them. You should counter them with better ideas, right? And so that's kind of the overarching problem I have with it all is here we are making tons of money, a huge, by the way, iHeartRadio, huge conglomerate around the country. They got billions and billions of dollars, I'm sure. And we're going to make money off of this tragic death, but then act like the people that wrote the book that caused it, man, they're terrible. They're terrible. So, anyway, a, a fair bit of hypocrisy. But I am glad. I am glad to hear iHeartRadio put together a podcast that says crossing the border uh, illegally is wrong because everyone agrees you shouldn't be able to make money uh, when you commit a crime. So good for them. Okay, by the way, if there's somebody in your life that you think might have somebody out for you, you know what good idea is? Tell me. Body armor. I'd Not get a bad some. idea. I'd get some. I'd go to feltrecoolshow.com slash AR500 and grab a steal of the deal on the Banshee Advanced Loadout Plate Carrier Package from AR500 Body Armor. Prices starting at just $449. Uh, packages may qualify for six months, same as cash financing as well. Feltrecoolshow.com slash AR500. That's feltrecoolshow.com slash AR500. Patrick, this is the biggest story I feel like nobody's talking about this week. Um, we don't have a lot of time left, but I'm going to I'm gonna do this. I'm going to read all of this article until we get to the pertinent part because it's going to reach a point where you're going to go, why am I listening to all this? And then I'm going to warn you, here it comes. That's like every week, just so you know. <laughs> all right, nothing different than you're used to it. <laughs> uh, this is incredible, incredible, incredible. And it's buried so deep in the article, I cannot fathom. Here you go. This is from CNN. Investigators are struggling to build a federal murder case regarding fallen U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, vexed by a, good word, vexed by a lack of evidence that could prove someone caused his death as he defended the Capitol during last month's insurrection. Oh, so, okay, we've concluded it was. Authorities have reviewed video and photographs that show Sicknick engaging with rioters amid the siege but have yet to identify a moment in which he suffered his fatal injuries, law enforcement officials familiar with the matter said. That's paragraph two. Here's paragraph three. Soon after Sicknick died on January 7th, prosecutors in Washington opened a federal murder investigation, dedicating a team inside the U.S. Attorney's office to build out a case. Paragraph four says, To date, little information has been shared publicly about the circumstances of the death of the 13-year veteran of the force, including any findings from an autopsy that was conducted by the D.C.'s medical examiner. Paragraph 5 says, In a statement the day after the insurrection, Capitol Police said that Sicknick had been injured while physically engaging with protesters and collapsed as a result of his injuries sometime after returning to his office. He died the next day in a local hospital. Paragraph 6 says, Sicknick will lie in honor at the Capitol beginning Tuesday evening. Congressional leaders announced late last week, bestowing on him a sacred tribute that's typically reserved for dead American political leaders. 
Number seven, paragraph, says, In Sicknick's case, it's still not known publicly what caused him to collapse the night of the insurrection. Findings from a medical examiner's review have not yet been released, and authorities have not made any announcement about that ongoing process. Now, that is repetitious of the paragraph I just read, is it not? Didn't I just read that, and then I read it again with yes. different words? Okay, here's why. Paragraph hard hitting, eight. Hard-hitting journalism. Paragraph eight. This is what you've been waiting on. You ready? According to one law enforcement official, medical examiners did not find signs that the officer sustained any blunt force trauma. So investigators believe that early reports that he was fatally struck by a fire, fire extinguisher are not true. That's paragraph eight. Why is it not the headline? Capitol Police Officer Not Struck well, by Fire Extinguisher During Capitol Riots. I feel like you already know the answer to this question. I think I do. It's three little letters. C-N-N. Oh, bingo. Uh, one possibility being considered by investigators, by the way, is that he had a negative reaction with the pepper spray or bear spray they were using on the crowd. So, so it wasn't a negative reaction to a fire extinguisher to the back of the head. No, pre-existing condition, sounds like. And uh, something happened, and it irritated him and uh, tragically killed him. Chris, if we move that fact up in the article, yeah, anywhere, say, six paragraphs and up, <laughs> okay, then you run the risk of the insurrection narrative falling apart. And that is something that we just cannot have. So um, who's to blame then, right? Like, that kind of becomes a question. Here's a guy who dies on duty because of whatever chemical agent they were using on the crowd. Sure, they wouldn't have used the chemical agents had the crowd not been there. But also, they used the chemical agents and it killed one of their own. Maybe it's a chicken or the egg question. But I think it's worth asking. So who do you really lay the blame on? I find it to be A, tragic, but B... So typically media. Here's the thing, by the way. The New York Times on January 8th says, quote, At some point in the chaos with the mob rampaging through the halls of Congress while lawmakers were forced to hide under the desks, Sicknick was struck with a fire extinguisher. On the same day, the AP reported Sicknick, 42, was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher during a struggle. Slate ran an article with a headline that said, Police officer that riders hit with fire extinguisher dies. New York Daily News ran a story that said, Hero Capitol Police Officer Killed by Blow to the Head with a Fire Extinguisher During Trump-Inspired Riots. Not true, not true, not true, not true. But as we've said here before, the retraction never matters. It never matters because the seed has been sown, now the lie has been spread, and that's all they really care about. you You can publish the retraction at this point, but, you know, Trump has already been impeached. So... I mean that was that was the uh, <laughs> that was the goal that was the goal. So I don't think anybody's really all too terribly worried about any retractions at this point. It's fair enough. Um, it terrifies me for the fact that it is so 1984 come to life. I know it's repetitious. We keep saying it, but it's just another incident. Again, terrible that the man died. He died doing his job. He shouldn't have been having to have dealt with what he was dealing with at the time. But the fact that the media takes it and they pervert his death to fit their narrative 
actually, in my opinion, makes them pretty much worse than the people that did storm the Capitol. Because they're lying to advance their political agenda, and then there's no repercussions when they do it. They're trying to control the zeitgeist, and they're doing a pretty darn good job of it, but they're doing it by a misinformation it's campaign. It's really easy when you, A, lie, and then, B, shut down any dissent over <laughs> that, that right? opinion or the facts. Isn't that right? I love it. All right. Anyway, uh, that's CNN admitting in paragraph 8, uh, Officer Sicknick, as tragic as his death was, was not murdered by protesters the way the media said he was. Um, in all likelihood, it looks like we'll find out he had a pre-existing condition and that caused an adverse reaction with uh, some of the chemicals they were using. All right, uh, let's move on to some more fun stuff. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. This week's Voter of the Week is anyone, everyone, maybe you, maybe your mom, maybe you're the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs and your mom went wild on Twitter over the Super Bowl. I don't know if you saw that. It's a true story. I did not. Uh, she was tweeting Tom Brady's wife and saying that the refs were the reason her son lost. God bless moms, man. I hope my mom would do that. Like, I know it would be slightly embarrassing, but it's good to know she's in your corner. Anyway, this week's vote of the week is not that guy's mom, because uh, that looks yeah, like... I'm not even mad about that. <laughs> that sounds cool. Uh, this week's vote of the week is anyone who is complaining about the halftime show at the Super Bowl. You know why? Uh, because nobody cares. That's why. The halftime show at the Super Bowl is a joke in and of itself. Yeah. You know, there are musicians who have been asked and literally just said, no, nah, I'm good. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not a badge of honor. Used to be. It, well, yeah, it was at one point. I yeah. think the last one, and I think I'm not the only person that thinks this way. The last you one probably are. that was pretty awesomely over the top was Prince. Uh, when he was playing in the rain. It was actual purple rain. It was actual purple Who rain. would have thought? Yeah, they thought they were going to like die of getting electrocuted in the middle of that. Oh, really? Yeah. U2 was probably the worst, I remember. In well, you just history. said U2, so you yeah. got to stop there. Yeah. Hey, you know what was bad? U2. <laughs> well, enough said. Um, the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson one was terrible. Not because of their publicity stunt, which was obviously planned. Um, I didn't like... Was that the same one with... with, Well, it doesn't matter. I can't remember watching a Super Bowl halftime show and thinking, this is great! At all ever. You and I had a conversation several months ago now about musicians faking it. Yeah. And I brought up the Red Hot Chili Peppers... Yeah, when they played it a few years ago. Oh, that's right. I remember us watching. Where they yeah. didn't plug their instruments in. Yeah. And they're up there just trying to sell it. But at the same time, being fairly overt about the fact that they're not really playing the songs. It's right. all big lip sync show. Yeah. But it has to be at the Super Bowl. It has to be because... You get like 10 minutes to set your stay. Oh, go ahead. You well, know, I was going to say, from a... From a musician's perspective, you're not going to be able to actually play in a stadium like that in the center of it because the music is being broadcast all around you. And right. The speakers are so far away from you, it creates a delayed effect. Mm. 
so that from the time the sound comes out of your voice to the time it comes back and hits your ear is several seconds. Yeah. And that might not sound like a big deal. Try it. Yeah, because then... It is the weirdest sensation ever. But it's not like you're having an occasional ping. Now, everything you've said over the last seven seconds begins feeding right back in, and right. it's a it's a it's it's an infinite loop. Right. You're not going to get away from it. So... How would you ever keep time? How would you ever well, you, keep your mind straight? By the time you sing a note and then hear that note again, you're already on to another note. That's wild. So then you're you know, completely off key. You never keep up. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, I don't begrudge them for lip syncing. You were about to go into the logistics of it. Right. They have to build a stage in the yep. middle of this thing. They rush a crowd out there. They got mm-hmm. lights and fireworks and pyrotechnics and all mm-hmm. this crazy crap going on. Mm-hmm. It is meant to be a spectacle and nothing more. Sure. I mean, it's not like it's a real concert. Have you ever heard the story when Garth Brooks sang the national anthem at the Super Bowl? No, I don't think so. Um, That's the last time I remember being excited about something happening at the Super Bowl because I was like 11. I was a big Garth Brooks fan, right? He, He almost didn't do it. Like He got his crew up and said, we're leaving. Because it was all about the lip syncing stuff. And there was something about, hmm, I'm going to butcher it. But there was something about the fact that he wanted to do it, and he wanted to do it live and in real time, and they kept jerking him around about it. And he was like, we'll leave. And he just got up and started leaving, and they came down the hallway and said, no, no, come back. We're good. You can go. You can go. He's like, okay. And it was about, oh, no, 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 no. Now I remember. He wanted his We Shall Be Free video to play before he sang. And that was kind of his social justice thing, right? All right. In racism, feed the hungry babies. From a guy, by the way, who has bragged on camera about he has more money than his grandchildren's grandchildren could ever spend. The rest of us need to pick up the tab for the hungry kids. Like, I know he worked hard Sounds for his like money. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got this, Garth. Uh, but he's done amazing things, by the way, for his community. Like, built a hospital for them. Uh, it doesn't matter and too much. didn't help all the hungry kids. So no, it didn't. Thanks for nothing. I'm just saying, he's not a bad guy. Seems like a decent fellow. Uh, anyway, the point was, he, they wouldn't play his video. They kept jerking around about whether they'd play the video or not. And he said, you said you would. And they're like, yeah, but things happen. He was like, okay, I'm out. You either stand by your word or you don't. And if, if you don't, I'm out of here. Yeah, that's pretty strong. Anyway, uh, what's funny to me is it was a guy called The Weeknd. Or I guess it's a band. The, it's I don't know what that It's means. a guy, but his musical band is called The Weeknd. But it's just a guy. Okay. It's not really a band. It's a dude. It's, it's one fella. And he did the halftime one show. One man band. Got it. Yeah, and he was... A, Apparently, it was kind of wild. I don't know, because I didn't watch it, because I don't care. But you know what's funny is what I do care about is I started seeing all these stories about, well, what's up with that terrible halftime show? And everybody's tagging the weekend. And I go, oh, I wonder if he sang that song. And so I click over, and he does. And here's where you're going to feel really dumb if you're worked up about it. I turn to my six-year-old son, and I say, hey, buddy, look at this. That guy that sings the song from Fortnite. He did it on TV, and so we watched it because that song Blinding Lights that he performed is used on the video game Fortnite that all the 10-year-olds play, 
And that's how my kids know the song. And so they were like really pumped to see the dude that sings the song from their video game on TV singing a song. Doesn't that speak to how detached the people at the NFL are, though? Because who is the primary audience for the Super Bowl? Is it 10-year-olds? No, probably 25 to 54-year-old males, right? Okay. In that range, Mm. how many of them play Fortnite, do you think? Just me. (laughs) All right. And you admittedly didn't watch it. I don't watch sports. I would consider that a pretty big fail for the NFL. Yeah. I guess this this weekend person band is a pretty massive pop star. I guess. Like, you don't sure. get the Super Bowl halftime show without having some sort of clout, right? So somebody knows who he is. Sure. <laughs> I certainly don't. And frankly, you know what's funny is you're allowed to have your pop culture and you're allowed to do your things. Uh, I'm allowed to not care about it. What were we just doing with our kids recently where I was like, you guys do realize none of this will matter tomorrow. You'll wake up tomorrow and nothing will have changed in your regular life unless you decide to focus on this. This thing that has no bearing on any other portion of your life except the fact that it's the, it was like a video game thing. And they were upset about their video game. And I was like, it has no bearing. And I'm, in fact, if you do less of this, you'll be happier in every other aspect of your life. Watch. It's true. So, anyway. All right. Any final thoughts before I hit the music? Uh, no, I do think it's funny that our vota this week was the Super Bowl halftime show, and neither of us watched it. I think there's that says something. The show was not anybody complaining about the show because it doesn't matter. One and the same for me. But what you're saying is how phenomenal that people just aren't watching the sports. That too. I'd love to see the ratings on it. I bet it was low. Yeah, I haven't heard. I guess it could go either way. Everybody's locked down. They don't have anything to do. I'd like to think that everybody's like, NFL, who cares? Tom Brady with his Make America Great Again hat behind him during post game. Did you see that? I did see that. That's strong Actually, the first stuff. Time I, saw, I wondered if it was like a, if that was a doctored photo. But I guess it wasn't. No, one of the guys I was talking to today actually watched it and said that was real. And no mask. No mask. Strong. He made a political statement. He didn't say anything. But he made a political statement. That was, that was a good guy. Uh, did you know Tom Brady is more likely to make it to the Super Bowl than Steph Curry is to make a three-point in a game? It's kind of terrifying. Think about that. His percentage average of getting to the Super Bowl is something like 47 to 48%. Steph Curry is 43% on three-pointers in the game. So he's more likely to go to the Super Bowl than almost all the teams in the uh, Major League Baseball are of having a winning season. Yeah. He's the best. He's the best that's ever lived. And I don't know why I say that, except that everybody's saying it on Facebook now. So I think to fit in with the sports ball guys, I have to say that. I did see an argument where I think it was Serena Williams was supposedly – uh, being compared because she's got gold medals and she's won all these grand slams and blah, 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 blah. And then this guy comes in and says, all it's going to take is one dude to say he's a female and come in and she's done. Yikes. Yikes. True. And Biden's for it. But so, hey, it's the age we live in. Yeah, they have to now. Their president said so. 
Okay. Hey, I got an idea. Let's do this again in one more week. Next Monday? What will we call the episode? 135. Okay. This week's episode? Man, you're quick on your toes tonight. I know. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. All right. Our home online is FeltRecoilShow.com. That's FeltRecoilShow.com. We'll see you in seven more days for one more of these. <laughs> <laughs>